Welcome to Heaven Smells Like Books, a book review podcast. Hi, welcome back to my podcast. Um, I feel like it's been a while. <laughs> I'm kind of struggling to get back into just talking to myself in front of my laptop. But anyway, today I want to... Well, today I'm going to talk about Maza Mengiste's The Shadow King. Yeah, so this is actually the, I think this is the first book I've read this year that I actually made me feel strongly about anything. So obviously, absolutely have to do a podcast episode on it. So like I said, it's The Shadow King. This book was shortlisted for the Booker Prize last year. So it's actually been on my TBR list since last year. Um, As usual, I had no idea what the book was about before I started reading it. I don't know if I've mentioned before, but I don't read like blurbs or like synopsis or anything. I just like dive straight in. And um, yeah, boy, was I in for quite the wild ride. Uh, But before I go into what the book is about, I want to talk about the writing a little bit first. So the writing, I mean, shortly said for a Booker Prize, I feel like it goes without saying that it was very well written, like genuinely very well written. I don't know if I can say that I enjoyed reading it because the storyline is so incredibly heartbreaking, but the writing was definitely really good. It's it's written in third person, but it's kind of different from every other third person novel I've read in that it felt like the narratives were a part of the story, although they weren't really. So normally when I'm reading a book written in third person, it usually reads as if the narrator is the author but this one sometimes felt like the narrators yeah narrators were a part of the story i don't know if that makes sense let me kind of have to read it to understand what i'm saying okay so the book is about the second italo-abyssinian war that started in October 1935, Abyssinia is present-day Ethiopia and yeah, Italian Abyssinia also was between the Ethiopians and the Italians and I mean there's so many books about different wars that we've had but I think for me this one was really different because it focused on the actual soldiers who were at war. I feel like every other book I've read about the war usually focuses on the impact of the war on the civilians so it's usually on like you know how people are dealing how the civilians are dealing with the war um if there are like refugee camps or just torture camps like it focuses on that sometimes as well but this book was specifically about the people actually fighting um and that was a very new and different experience for me yeah okay so moving on to the themes that i want to talk about and the first one is just as usual general disregard for girls and women so like i mentioned earlier i had no idea what this book was about when i first started when i picked it up 
And so when I started reading it, we were introduced to hear it. So she, she, she was essentially a child. Um, the author didn't mention what age here it was, but she was definitely in her early teens or pre-teens. Like she, she was a child in my head. She's like basically a baby. Um, and so the book starts off with um, here it's working as a housemaid. I'm going to use slave for the rest of this when I'm talking about here it's because that's you know that's basically what it was um it's like a form of slavery as far as i'm concerned she was working for this family this wealthy family uh the husband's name was kidane and his wife's name was asta and asta was an absolutely horrible person to hear it for what to me was no fucking reason and so Asa was also going through her own shit and trauma because she recently lost um, her only child. And so she was quite depressed and all that. But, you know, that's not what I want to talk about now. I want to talk about how horrible she was to hear it. So when I picked up this book and, you know, reading about how Asa just won the living conditions that Harris was living in, like she was sharing this really small space with this other woman who worked with a family who was the cook and it just didn't seem conducive and then also again here it was a child she she should not have been working at all for any reason um and then like i said she was essentially a slave because it's not like they were paying her um and then there's this part in the book where asta beats the absolute shit out of here because here it, you know, she, I guess, stole a few things from the family. But again, the only reason she did that was because they took something from her that was really precious and she was a child and she didn't know how to handle that. So she was acting out and she stole from them. But again, the things she stole weren't particularly valuable. Anyway, Asta bit the shit out of her. I honestly thought here it was going to die. And I read that part and I was like, okay, so this book is about domestic violence and child abuse um and i was sort of starting to mentally prepare myself for that uh, and then of course we get into the war part um but still on the disregard for girls and women so i've mentioned that asa was married to a man called kidane and at the beginning of the book i just automatically assumed that kidane and his wife asked her were age mates or like close in age, like maybe there's like a six year, five year difference, you know, like a reasonable thing. But as it turns out, there's a massive age gap because Asta was married off to Kidane when she was a child. So she was a child bride. Like Kidane was a fully grown man. And there are parts of the book where the author went into details of their wedding day and their wedding night. And it was horrific it was it made it goes without saying that it made me incredibly um angry and i absolutely hate that child marriages are things that are normalized in some cultures it's and you know she they talked about how asta's mother was preparing her for the day and telling her 
basically telling her that it's going to be horrible, but you have to deal with it. And it's just, you know, it happens every generation. And even the men, they um, were also preparing Kidane and telling him that, oh, she's probably not going to be happy or like she's not going to want to be married to you. She's not going to want to have sex with you. But you just have to do it anyway. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, you're basically giving him notes on raping a child. Reading that part was... It was a lot. But then, I think I realized when I was reading this book, was I think because I've read so many books where women and children get abused, sexually abused specifically. I've read so many books that have those themes at the center that... It took me a while, not a while, but like, it took me a little bit to realize what was going on. Like, I was a few seconds in and I was like, oh my God, like, this is what is happening in this book. Like, she's a child bride, she's getting sexually abused, and it's not going to be just a one-time thing. It's going to keep happening and keep going on and on. And I just hate that. I mean, I understand that these stories are important, but I just hate that so many books that center women and girls, black women and black girls have such traumatizing themes that it now just like, I pick up a book and I'm reading about a young girl's trauma and it almost feels like, oh, of course this is what is happening. Like, oh yeah, you know, just another story of abuse. Um, So that made me feel some type of way. So I feel like I need to take a break from reading books like that um just so I don't become desensitized I think that's the right word yeah I think that's the right word when I was reading it I I feel like I was slightly desensitized and it took me a few seconds or minutes to figure out that yo this is I mean I knew it wasn't okay but I just I feel like okay I'm rambling on now I'm going to move on um yeah and then another part of the book well, same part actually, but at the beginning, um, Asta kept going on and on about how Kide and her husband was going to replace her with Hirut. And at first, I thought this is her trauma from losing her child speaking because Hirut is a child. Your husband isn't going to replace you with a child because Kide, at the beginning of the book, the author made it seem like he was a reasonable, I mean, a reasonably reasonable person you know like as reasonable as straight men can get um and then there was this part of the book where he referred to Herod as little one and then he like I think he brushed her cheeks or like he did something I can't remember exactly what it was but I read that part and I was like shit I was like there's something fucking fucking creepy about this guy like I don't know what it is yet but I do not like I don't like what I just read. And then it turns out that when he first married Asta when she was a child, he also used to call her little one. And just that tiny detail made me feel incredibly disgusted. Um, And I was like, of course, Asta is so stressed about all this because her husband is a pedophile and she's aware. 
Um, so that's why she keeps saying he's going to replace her with Herod. And then on the other hand, I was like, but Asa is an adult now. Surely she should be trying to protect Herod from her husband, who she knows is a fucking pedophile. Um, and even later on in the book, when Kidane eventually um, rapes um, Herod, Asa still blames Herod. When, and I, I do not, I don't get it because he... Asta also had the same experience with him and she knew that wasn't her fault. So like, I don't understand why she wasn't able to connect the dot. But yeah, that's one thing. Um, and then, I mean, obviously the book, the book is about, it's set during the war. And as we all know, war just, it makes the disregard and abuse of women even worse like exponentially um and so obviously when the war starts things obviously get even worse for Herod and um at some point Kidane genuinely considered selling her for weapons like he would have sold her if someone else wasn't in the room and offered another form of payment which was, she basically offered herself in place of Herod. But I was like, you're going to sell a child for fucking weapons that aren't even going to be enough for your soldiers. Not even that if they were going to be enough for the soldiers, not that that would have made it okay. But like, you're going to sell a child? You're going to sell a person for weapons? Like, the fact that he seriously considered it um well that was fucked up uh also i feel like i should start my episodes with trigger warning um but like i said during the war kidane raped herod a few times and he would always weirdly tell her that he's not trying to hurt her he was always talking about how herod's mother was like his sister or some fucked up shit to him um because herod's mother also apparently worked for Kidane's father so it was like a generational kind of thing it was really fucking weird um yeah so he would always tell her that he's not trying to hurt her blah 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 but then the only the day he tried raping her and then stopped it was he stopped because he felt like he was um no longer affected by the assault like it felt like she was disconnected from it like and and that was when he stopped so like my point is he kept saying that he wasn't trying to hurt her but the only reason he stopped raping her was because he felt like he was no longer hurting her and obviously i know that him saying that he wasn't trying to hurt her meant absolutely shit but it was just it was like you know that's it. Nothing you're gonna have to say on that. It was fucked up. Um, and then okay, so for this last point, I don't know. I mean, it is to do with the disregard of women, but I think it's something that is also kind of specific to war. Um, so actually, I'll move on to the second theme, which is war. Obviously, very like relevant and important theme in the book because it is about the value it 
Ethiopian war. The second one, by the way, and the work really made me think about the ethics of war. Because there's, I mean, I didn't know this, but apparently when soldiers die, um, religious leaders pray over their dead bodies before they are buried. So if the soldier was Catholic, for example, you know, they'd get a priest to pray over the soldier's dead body and then bury the body. If if the soldier was a Muslim, they'd get an imam and all that. And I was really kind of confused um I genuinely didn't know it was like a normal practice and I I my first thought was why would religious leaders agree to pray over the bodies of soldiers especially the soldiers that are invading another country so like for this book why would a priest agree to pray over the dead bodies of Italian soldiers like these men have literally invaded a country that isn't theirs and they are killing people and soldiers do I mean apart from the fact that soldiers kill soldiers during war we know that soldiers also do the most in inhumane things to women children old people young people men everyone the damage they do is mind-blowing and so I really struggled to understand why religious leaders would pray over their bodies like I understand that you know they're not supposed to judge and God loves everyone yada 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 but it's just surely they need to be taking a stand because these things that the soldiers do they are not okay why are you praying for them I, I just like I know they are religious leaders not political leaders but I think that there are certain situations where you just cannot remove yourself from the politics of things and you actually have to take a stand. Um, and then it also got me thinking about how, you know, every war has something that causes it, quote unquote. But I really think that at some point it becomes less about the cause of it and more about the soldiers as in the people actually on the front line just surviving. Like, I don't think when soldiers are fighting, I don't think they're going, oh, I'm trying to defend my country, this and that. I, I think they're, you know, at some point, they're just thinking, I don't want to fucking die today. And so if I have to kill 10 people to make sure that happens, that's what I'm going to fucking do. And then it just seems like, so what's the fucking point? Like, you're fighting. I'm so sorry that I'm swearing so much in this episode, but I'm really in my feelings today. <laughs> Um, yeah, but it's just like you're fighting another man's fight. Usually, a politician who is in his house, rem- probably in another country even, removed from the front line of the war, and you're fighting another man's fight, and you're killing people. So, what is the point? You see, like it's, and I know it's more complicated than that, and it's not simple, and it's complex, and all that, but it's just, it's like, what's the point, and then the other thing I was thinking about is that, why is it okay for countries that have significantly more, well, significant, sorry, my English is leaving me, countries that have access to more um sophisticated weapons and they have a lot of it why is it okay for them to go to war with countries that don't really have weapons because the italians had access to guns they had access to um 
I don't, I can't remember what they're called now. Um, but you know those they're kind of like tractors and they basically have like massive guns and yeah those massive things that move around and have guns on them not guns you get what i mean um they have those things they also have access to like chemical weapons and they are fighting the ethiopians who barely had guns gigas like the ethiopians were recycling guns from the previous war and the italians had chemical weapons how is that a fair fight like it doesn't make sense like that how is that fair like why is that a thing again i know that war isn't in general it's not supposed to be something that is fair i mean war in itself is unfair but it's just like why what the fuck like whose fucking idea was this um i know i sound like you like this is our war work so why are you so surprised but it's like you read about these things and you're just like people are actually fucking dying like what is the point like there's this part of the book where um they are literally like they are at the war front on that day they were like genuinely shooting at fighting and killing each other and then the italians started releasing chemical um i can't remember what chemical it was um but they had planes and all that releasing them and it was just like this isn't a fucking fair fight like you have these white men came into this african country and for what fucking reason because they lost the last like they lost the first one and they're like oh no we definitely have to take back this land that doesn't fucking belong to them she gets like what the fuck okay i'm going to move on um but yeah ethics of war is there even such a thing to start with uh and then Oh, another thing. So the political, I think I, he, I'm trying to think, remember the writer. I think the writer is Emperor. Um, Aile Selassie. He, this was a real person, by the way. Like he was genuinely the real emperor when these things happened in Ethiopia. Um, even though the book is fictional, some of the characters did exist. Um, but yeah, that man, he was the Ethiopian emperor. He left Ethiopia when it became quote unquote unsafe for him. Like he left the country. And my man went to fucking Brighton. He went to Brighton and left his people to die in Ethiopia. He I can't guess over the fact that he went to Brighton. He couldn't pick like a shitty city in the UK or anywhere else. He went to fucking Brighton. And in my head, I'm just imagining him at like the beach or something while people are literally dying at home. And, you know, in the book, they talk about how, oh, like he felt so guilty, blah, blah, blah. Who gives a shit? Like, who cares if he felt guilty or not? He fucking left his country. And I don't understand why that is allowed or why that is a thing. I feel like the leader should not be so removed from the war. Like, I I know they probably can't fight, especially, like, presidents and shit. And I know that's why they have, like, the chief of army or whatever. But it's like, no, like, you were definitely a part of this war starting. You clearly 
could not work with the leaders of the other countries to find a non-violent solution for this shit but now you've left the country and the people are still at war and they're still dying why is that a thing like why is that allowed and he also had the nerve to go back to the country to lead them and i know it's because he had like a lot of supporters it's actually crazy he had a lot of supporters i mean he also had a lot of people absolutely didn't like him um but he had a lot of supporters but the fact that he was able to leave and then come back was wild to me because i feel like you know he should not have been allowed back into the country or at the very least if he went back they should not have given him back his position because he fucking deserted them um and that is shitty behavior uh and then oh another thing that's sort of fucked up my mind a little was the fact that two different two consecutive generations i had to fight a war with italy I don't have anything deep to say about it. It's just insane. And if that is not generational trauma, I don't know what is. Um, oh, another thing that I, maybe I should have mentioned this when I talk about the ethics of war. I don't fucking understand how war photographers can work. I don't, I just, oh my God. So there's this, um, there was, there's this character in the book called Ettore. He was the Italian war photographer and he had to document these horrifying scenes. You know, he had to document Ethiopians literally getting thrown off cliffs. You know, Ethiopians getting hung, shot, killed, um, imprisoned. He took um so here it's an asta at some point during the war they were captured and um made prisoners and the head of the italian camp made them like they would bring them like in front of all the soldiers get them take their clothes off and Ettore, the war photographer would take pictures of them and i just it made me think about there's this picture i don't know if you guys have ever seen it but it's a really popular picture it i can't remember what country it was but it was an african country and it's this child and the child l- looks so skinny and like malnourished because you know the country is at war and obviously like there's no food and children are dying and there is this uh bird next to the child oh shit, i can't my brain isn't working i can't remember the name of the bird but it's the bird that feeds on dead bodies and the bird was basically waiting for the child to die so that it would eat the child of the body and the photographer took the picture and it's like such a harrowing picture an image to look at and i think two years ago maybe it was last year i read about how the photographer basically became fucked up after that picture and i think he eventually committed suicide we need to check and confirm that i'm pretty sure that's what happened and it's just like on one end i understand that it's very traumatic for them as well um but for a tourist specifically because he wasn't a neutral party it was really hard for me to like feel anything for him um and so because i was i genuinely hated him from the depths of my heart i really did not like what maza did when she 
by making him a Jewish character because I then had to feel something for him because the war was in started in 1935 and so you could start seeing the effect of anti-semitism in the Italian camp and obviously because Ettore was Jewish you could also see that and his Jewish parents were still in Italy and so obviously they were taken to camps and you know it was sort of implied in letters his father sent him and I just hated that I started off hating every single white character in the book and then we got to the part about anti-Semitism. And I was like, shit, now I feel bad for this fucking dickhead. Um, because, you know, I don't need to go into the horrors of the Second World War. But yeah, Maza, I see what you did there. I get why you did it. But girl, I did not fucking appreciate it. Okay? I, will, I just wanted to hate all the white men in the book, but you wouldn't even let me have that in peace. Like, this whole book, like, every, like, con, like maybe, like, every 50 pages, I'm like, oh, my God, what the fuck is this? Like, I started off thinking, oh, it's about domestic violence, and I was like, oh, my God, like, why is she beating this child like this? And I found out that Asta was a child, and I was like, what the fuck? And then they're at war, and I'm like, oh, my God, like, these people are just being killed for no fucking reason. And then, like, he gets sexually abused. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? And then they get captured. I'm like, I can't take this set anymore. And then you introduce anti-Semitism. I'm like, I'm losing my fucking mind. Um, but yeah, again, I mean, I'm so sorry I'm getting at you guys. But I'm moving on. Or oh, still on Atari. So, I mean, obviously, he's away from his family. Anti-Semitism starts approaching its peak in Europe. And, you know, that's all. The whole thing made him sad and depressed. But what I did not like was... So, after Hirat and Asta were captured and made prisoners in the Italian camp, there's this part of the book where he basically goes to Hirat. And the way I interpreted it was that he was trying to get Hirat to pity him as a way to absolve himself of blame and guilt in his participation in what was happening to her. And I was like, how fucking dare you? You have invaded this poor child's land. You are documenting how people getting killed and raped. You are taking nude pictures of her without her consent. First of all, she's a fucking child. She can't even consent to that shit. Um, and then you're trying to make her feel pity for you. You're talking about your father. Do you know what this girl has been through? You're talking about how you're worried about your father. Like, this girl lost her parents when she was a child. She was literally a slave before the war. And, she, and then she had to become a child soldier. And she was raped by someone that claimed to care about her. And then now she's a fucking prisoner in your fucking camp. And you're going to have to tell her that your life is difficult. Are you fucking kidding me? Like, I feel bad for him and everything that happens to his family. But, like, Hiris is not the person you should have gone to for pity. You should have gone to the other white soldiers who weren't Jewish. He should not have gone to the black Ethiopian girl who was a fucking prisoner because the Italian soldiers captured her. That's fucking insane. Okay, I need to stop swearing. I'm going to stop swearing. Um, another thing, um, Ettore, during, this is an interview he had um, after the war, 
And so there's this one prisoner that when they captured, he was like the first prisoner they captured and they, he was hung on a tree and like, I don't want to go into details, but they did just horrible things to him. Like things that would give you nightmares. And um, a journalist was asking him about it. And his response was that the prisoner was scary and that the prisoner was hell-bent on killing them. And so they had no choice but to kill him. And I was like, hmm, how can one single prisoner in an Italian camp filled with Italian soldiers be scary? One single prisoner against hundreds or thousands of Italian soldiers. How was he fucking scary? Um, He was hell-bent on killing them. Um, I wonder fucking why. Maybe because he invaded his country. Also, how was he a single prisoner going to kill them? Like, these white men and their fucking... I said I was going to say But these white men and their excuses. And then, um, what else did he even say? He said some other, like, fucked up shit. He called the Ethiopians rebels. He... T- Am I pronouncing that word right? Anyway, he talks about how, like, you know, they had to do what they had to do because, you know, the rebellion, whatever. You invaded their country. You're trying to take away their land. What did you expect? That they would just surrender? And you're calling them... Re- do, you, do you know what that word means? Like, the audacity of white men. I don't think I'll never stop being, sh- excuse me, shocked. It's just amazing. It's disgusting. The audacity. and What's that word? Is it caucasity or caucasity? But yeah, that one. Fuck them. Um, I'm going to wrap this up. I don't want to do more than 40 minutes. Another thing I want to talk about was class. Uh, so, I mean, I already talked about how Hirut was essentially a slave and how, you know, it was kind of generational because her mother also apparently worked for Kidane's um, parents. And so, like, how do you even get out of that? Again, Hirut was a child. Um, but another thing I want to talk about was, so there's this part um, during the war where Asta, she was having this argument with her husband, Kidane, and she was talking about how she also deserves to be, to, like, to be a soldier and lead the women as soldiers and her husband Kidane wasn't having any of this because like you're a woman you're not a soldier you know you're supposed to treat the soldiers make them feel comfortable yada 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 and Asa went on this rant about how you know she has earned it and she has been like such an active part of you and she has been helping them and you know she gave this whole speech that was like oh yay feminism women can do anything but um, at the same time, it was kind of like, so what, one of the other women, I think it was the cook, she was like, how has Asta earned this place that she's talking about? That like Asta has not really been doing as much work as the other women who weren't classed. So I don't know if I've pointed out, but I feel like it's obvious. But Asta and Kidane were obviously wealthy. And so... um economically they had that privilege before the war and it it was interesting to see how we then translated into privilege during the war because Asa automatically somehow became the person leading the other women who were not as 
classed as she was. By class, I mean economic class um, and social class as well. Um, and yeah, so like some of the women were like, who made you the boss? Like just because you were wealthy before the war and your social class or like your place in the social hierarchy was high, you just made yourself the leader. And I agree on this rant about how you deserve it. Like we've been doing the grunt work. What makes you more deserving? And it made me think about how like, you know, should classed people be allowed to lead revolutions, you know, like is it okay? I don't know. I feel like I need to do a bit more reading and thinking about it, but it's kind of like, maybe not in this specific book, but sometimes I think when class people lead revolutions, if things really go to shit, there's a good chance that those people that have money and that privilege, they can easily get out of the situation, leaving behind the people that they are leading who can't. It's kind of like Alice Lassie did. And it's like, why is that okay? And, you know, it also made me think about how class and feminism, you know, how they work together and like the inter- intersectionality of it. And it was just interesting. I really like that Maza touched on it a bit. That like, yeah, like Asi is doing this great thing and fighting to also be recognized as a soldier. But at the same time, like these women of working class, not middle class, they are just as deserving, if not more. And Asa just got picked because of our proximity to maleness, because Alzma was leading the male soldiers. And so that was how she became the leader, not because she was qualified for it, just because of her class privilege and her proximity to, you know, that. Yeah, you know, just something to think about. And then, okay, three minutes. Other things I want to talk about. Um, I hated how tough life was for Hira. She lost both of her parents, <clears throat> who seemed just absolutely great and amazing. She lost them when she was a child. Um, she became a slave for these two horrible people when she was just a child. And then her country was invaded. And so she had to um became sorry, she had to become a soldier and just the trauma Honestly, the trauma just from reading a book about war will never, I I can never like get used to it or get over it. It's absolutely mind blowing. Um, there are parts of the book where they like narrow, where they really you know describe the ins and outs of the war front, and I just kept thinking, I don't know how people can live post-war, like the PTSD, my mind, my I, whenever I try to think about it, my brain starts glitching, because I, I, I cannot, I don't know how to, I, yeah, kind of like this, the way I can't even get the word out, um, yeah, I really fucking hated that. It was also traumatizing. And so, like, at the beginning of the book, we don't start in 1934, where the war ha- went, which is when the war happened. We start in, I think, 1974. And we started with um, Herut. And um, it didn't sound like Ethiopia was a peaceful country even then. So it's like, I can't imagine how triggering all that would be for like, okay, so like people that have that experienced war and then like decades later, their country's at war again. It's just, it's a fucking lot, okay? Like, ugh. So I just kind of feel like, is is that going to be like a long period of time where 
the people of Ethiopia actually experience peace. And I know this is applicable to so many countries because it just feels like generation after generation have to deal with some shit. And it's just, it is exhausting and it makes me very fucking angry. And maybe I'm extra emotional today because I'm recording this on the 6th of June, which is a day after the Nigerian government decided that Twitter... It's not going to be a thing that's allowed in the country. And like we have, I just, it's exhausting. And I'm tired of these leaders that just take advantage of people because of their own fucking benefits. And then people literally die and no one pays for it. I'm tired of that shit. But yeah, that's it. I think those are all the things I, I could go on and on, but then we would be here forever. Um... I think the book is definitely incredibly heartbreaking, but I think it's definitely one that you should read. I would recommend it. Um, Yeah, Maza, you did a great job, girl. Like, I know you already know that, but you did a great job. My heart was broken the entire time, and I felt and had to question so many things. I was incredibly uncomfortable, but I think that's what you were going for. So, yeah. Uh, What am I currently reading? I am reading um, African Love Stories. It's a collection of short stories. And, you know, I don't think I'm enjoying it. I haven't liked a lot of the stories so far. I'm only like halfway through. But really random. Something that really pissed me off. And I don't know if I'm being extra. It's also like I picked up a book about African love stories. Because I needed a break after reading The Shadow King. And I thought love stories. mm, Yay. Fun. Um, And African love stories. So I was like oh my god. You know. It's going to be cute black love. Um, And then the first stories were about women who were in love with white men. And I was like, what's this? I don't have a problem with inter I don't have a problem with interracial relationships, but I just it's a book called African Love Stories. At least put them in the middle. Don't start with two of them. Um uh, I also don't know what I'm going to record next, as in what book I'm going to review next on the podcast, but we'll see. Um hopefully I read something worth recording soon. And I think that's it. Yeah. Uh don't forget to follow me on Instagram. My Instagram handle is Heaven Smells Like Books. And don't forget to share and subscribe to the podcast. Share with your friends. Um, yeah. If you want to talk about the book, if you've read it, you can always send me a DM on Instagram. I love talking about books. So, yeah. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode and have a great weekend. If I don't upload this during the week, if I upload during the week, then have a great week. <laughs> Bye.